Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I am your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be looking at year one with NGXS. Should be pretty cool. Let's dive into it, say hi to our panelists, and then we'll meet our guests and get going with our topic. Joining us today, we've got Alyssa Nichol. Alyssa, how's it going? Hello, hello. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. We've got Mike Brocky with us. Mike, what's going on? Not too much. Just listening to the tunes in my head. Nice, nice. Are you going to sing those out loud during the episode at some point? Nope, and you're welcome. Oh, does that count? I mean, you said you're welcome. I mean, that's kind of your jam, right? Uh, you know me. I love uh, some uh, Dwayne Johnson singing, but uh, no, I'm not going to sing today. All right. I thought right. I thought "Wrecking Ball" by Miley Cyrus was his jam. That that's my spirit song. <laughs> that's just when he comes in. Okay, Austin, what's going on? How's everyone going? Doing today? <laughs> it's good. It's good that you're on point today for you know this episode about NGXS. You know, so bring your A game, right? What What is that though? <laughs> it's something. I think we'll dive into it. All right, our our guest today, uh, Mark Whitfeld. Mark, how's it going? Hey, how's it, everyone? <laughs> doing good. Doing good. Glad to have you. Um, yeah. Why don't you give our viewers a little bit? Uh, background about yourself so I can get to know you and then we'll kind of dive into the topic. Yeah, so um, I'm a software developer. That's a good thing if you're leading a software project. Um, yeah, I've been developing professional software since uh, I think about 2002. Um, the company I work for is a company called Chilisoft. Um, <clears throat> we're based in Durban, South Africa. So that's the reason why my accent sounds a little bit different to everyone else. <laughs> um, and we are, yeah, I've, I've been at the same company for about 17 years. It's a fantastic bunch of people. Um, I've really grown up with, uh, with mentors that have, that have focused on things like test-driven development, um, solid principles, clean code, that, that sort of stuff. So, so I'm really passionate about that, that sort of thing. Um, and then with the NGXS project, um, when, that, when that came up, at the beginning of last year, I remember watching this the episode with Austin about a year ago, um, just after he had released it. Um, something really struck a chord with me in terms of how it was how it was put together. It was nice and simple, but it it did a lot for you. Um, so I really I really value code that's that's simple, straightforward, easy to understand, and and uh, well put together. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yes, those are uh, very uh, good things to to follow, right? Uh, yeah, I, I love the whole clean coding thing, and and mm. uh, thinking about that testability and stuff like that. Uh, very cool. All right, yeah. so and uh, now you're helping to maintain the NGXS project. Now, is that correct? Yeah, I'm I'm leading the core team on the project. Um, pretty much just uh, trying to keep keep things focused, keeping things going in a good direction. Um, there's lots of good ideas around the framework, but um, really trying to trying to guard those and keep keep it to its core. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Now you mentioned our episode that we had a little less than a year ago about NGXS and announcement kind yeah. of dived in. Uh, uh, why don't we do a quick recap uh, or kind of fill in our viewers of what NGXS is in case they haven't seen that episode and and kind of get caught up before we start heading into it. 
I wish we could, uh, I, I wasn't thinking about this, but we should have took the pictures of me uh, from that episode and see how much I've aged from doing open source software. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like the 10 year challenge? Don't we need like 10 years instead of one was year? It, was it no, that hold on, bad? I'm gonna go get like, a screenshot from that video, I'll be right back. Was it like raising your child? Like it was that, <laughs> it was that much, Austin? <laughs> I mean, so I, it's really funny because I, I've got a lot of open source projects um, that I've that I've created over the few past few years. And really like none of them uh, they were all very popular, but none of them like really took off in terms of like the community. Um, so you know we've uh, I've came on the show before and talked about you know UI components that I've built and charts and things like that. And you know, I kind of just fell into making a state management solution. Like I actually, I think in the original episode and in the docs, I like, I actually avoided it <laughs> for as long as I possibly could because I didn't want to deal with it. Um, because even though there's tons of these like um, blog posts online that talk about oh, I used RxJS to like make a Redux in like 10 lines of code. Congratulations, and try to use that. Um, like it, it gets really hairy very quickly. Um, and so, you know, it was a project that I didn't actually really want to make, um, but I ended up making it and I mean, it really took off um, and uh, seem to really resonate with a lot of people and, and kind of the like the core things that I baked into it was like, you know, RxJS is awesome, but it is really easy to mess up RxJS operators. Um, and you really have to kind of know what you're doing. Oh, here we go, Mike. I, I think I found captured you well there. Uh, is that? Uh, but that was you 11 months ago. All right. All right. And, and, and I'm learning about NGXS today for myself. Uh, I wasn't on that episode. Ah. <clears throat> hey, I, I want to tell a little quick uh, inside story uh, to give you a little kind of taste of, of what this experience was like for me uh, going on Austin's journey of starting NGXS, okay? Well, and of, yeah, of course, I brought, I pulled everyone into it like I always do. I want to get everyone's feedback. <laughs> yeah, so, so I remember it was about a year ago. I was at a dance convention for my daughter, um, hanging out, you know, doing the dad thing, which is just like looking at tech and stuff in between all the, the things going on. And uh, Austin starts messaging me and he's like, dude, I really don't want to do it. I really don't want to do what? I, I don't want to make a state management library. I really don't. I'm trying to put it. And then the next thing I know, I think I'm going to do it. I'm like, what? And then so he dives in and it's like, okay, I, he starts figuring these things out, just rapid fire, like all these ideas are coming, coming, coming. And then before you know it, I mean, he just dives in and, and does it in this short amount of time, which was insane. But um, yeah, it's crazy. And it's crazy to look at where we're at a year now from it. So but that's my yeah. story. <clears throat> yeah, I remember soliciting you to help me edit my docs. <laughs> uh, that was like a big thing that I was like, oh, like this stuff is so hard and we got to make it easy. And so I was like, we got to have awesome docs out of the box. And then, you know, that was one of the big things. And then, you know, I wanted it to look like Angular code, right? Like 
I wanted the code to feel like you're writing Angular, and I wanted to reduce all the RxJS as much as possible and kind of just make it simple, right? Like set state, return something, right? And be able to uh, do other little things inside of it. And it kind of took off. Like um, Danny was on the show, uh, the original show. He, um, Danny Blue, he helped, uh, you know, with some of the ideas that we originally had. Um, we kind of, uh, my original thought was basing it on uh, UX, which is views like state management solution. But like, as we iterated, we're like, oh, we can do this better because of certain Angular, the way that Angular does certain things. And it kind of just evolved and it got so big, right? Like, and, and so many people were wanting to contribute to it. I just never had an open source project like that before. Um, and Mark here was one of the guys <clears throat> that uh, was working on it with me. And uh, I mean, he was just really doing a great job. And I think he, he implemented some really crazy RxJS code. And after I saw that, I was like, Mark is awesome. He is my new hero. <laughs> um, it was like the, uh, what was it? It was the, uh, the, 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 the action pipeline. Yes, the action pipeline. That thing was yeah. crazy. Um, and after that, I was like, Mark is like the man. And I kind of, uh, had worked on other i was working on other projects that weren't using it and, and the community just kept growing and and mark was right there and i was like mark hey do you want to take this over and and that's where we're at today yeah so so i think i think in taking in taking over the framework it was well, call it a framework but it's a library um, but there's a lot of things going on it feels like a framework um <clears throat> but um gee i i remember last Oh, sorry, not last year, 2017, uh, I implemented a very, very large project using um, NGRX. And I just, I just remember how we, how we had to grapple with uh, RxJS and all the concepts there. And I think that's where I potentially polished those RxJS skills. Um, but even, even, with that, even with that library, I tried many different approaches to try and uh, simplify things and and I tried my own different experiments to try and get um, get it to to be simpler, more understandable code. Um, the the developers from our client, uh, whenever a new developer joined the project, they would they would battle to to get on board with what was going on, and it was it was it was quite a it was it was quite a challenge. And I think uh, I think there's a lot of people out there that were feeling the same thing. Um, so so Austin, when you released NGXS, it was it just, for me, it just resonated. I thought, flip, this is, it's nice and simple. It's, it's to the point, it gets all the stuff out the way, lets you, lets you focus on, um, on that unidirectional uh, data flow. Um, yeah, so it, it was, <laughs> it was very difficult to keep my hands out of it because it was, it was such a, such an exciting and promising project. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that make that unique, that, that feel of it, um, like specifically that, that you like about it? Um, and that can be that advantage for the state management, especially with an Angular project. Yeah, I think, I think for me, the, the, the one thing that I liked about it, 
um, up front was the fact that all of your your different state classes could, um, even though you you're part of one one entire application state tree, your your state classes they feel like they're separate. They they just exist on their branch of the tree and they feel like they're separate things. So it felt like it was quite a nice um, separation of concern as concerns as you as you broke down your application into different modules. Um, you could put something there, something there, something there, and they don't have to know about each other. Um, um, I found I found in that in that larger application, you you were continually bringing your reducers together and composing these reducers, and and it was this whole dance to get this this whole thing um, looking like it should. And um, so so I think for me that that was one of the main things that that really st stuck out. Um, and then just the simplicity, especially of the of the selectors, where um, where previously I had I had gone and I'd gone down crazy paths of doing combined latest and all these different RxJS operators to try and bring different aspects of the state tree together, um, and then and then with um, NGXS it was these these simple selector decorators that just Created a function that would select from the right part of the state tree, and as um, and you could compose them together, and virtually at the last second you say, okay, let's make it observable. And for me, I think I think that's the other thing that really stood out, because for develop for after seeing so many developers battle with that sort of coding, um, they could just think compose these functions together, and then at the last second you convert it to a to an observable and and um, just use an async pipe, and you you virtually never have to think about um, the different operators that you might might be tempted to use. Yeah, I know. Uh, for me, in thinking about state management, one of the things that always becomes a challenge is like the mind map of where everything's at and and how does it fit into features or domains, right? And how does that spread across the code? And then how does that play out? Um, I kind of get the sense, and it's been a little bit since I've looked at that NGXS, so I don't know if stuff has changed, but that that concept of the state classes and the containing of that domain or or, or feature that kind of helps solve that. Is that correct? Or or helps yeah. helps yeah. that be easier to mind map and keep track of like these chunks going on with with a relatable code. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It was, um, I think, just the the way that it separated out those. Um, those different different state classes really created a, a something that something that really fitted along the lines of a of a modular architecture, um, which I really appreciated about what it what it brought to the table as a library. Very cool, very cool. So, can you maybe go over what uh, what features and stuff are in the library right now, um, where we're at currently? Okay, I think I think maybe it would be good to to start off with talking about what's what's happened in the happened in the library since um, since uh, Austin handed over, um, and I think uh, for for myself it's been a it's been a quite a quite a learning journey in terms of open source um, how much how much time and commitment it takes um, it's it's quite hectic um, you can ask you can ask my wife about that. I've had to get permissions many evenings to do to do work and things like that, um, but um, but um, when I, when I took over from Austin, the the main thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to 
I wanted to protect the core of the framework and allow for, for the ability for people to, to extend the framework without having to get their hands into the center of the, fra of the framework. So I keep on talking about it as a framework, and I know some people like to make the distinction between libraries and frameworks. Um, but, but really, in, in my mind, I feel like that's what it's become. It's become a, um, a, there's, a, there's a core library called NGX, NGXS Store. Um, and then there's a number of uh, plugins around it. Um, we had some very, very enthusiastic contributors that um, that were wanting to introduce decorators and and extend the API and really enthusiastically add on features onto onto the library. But um, it it kind of felt like it was it was venturing off onto their particular use case and not something that would be uh, generally applicable. So, um, so what we did is we created a NGXS Labs organization. It was called NGXS Contrib. Um, it's now called NGXS Labs, um, and it really creates a place for for community members to to create uh, projects and plugins um, that they can iterate on it really quickly. Um, they can break stuff. They can they can do what they want. And then eventually, once they've kind of released a 1.0 of that, uh, we'll look at the adoption that's happening within the community, um, let them iterate a bit more. And eventually, once the, once the core team is happy to accept one of those, uh, those plugins as, a, as an official plugin, we'll bring it into, into the um, NGXS organization. Um, <clears throat> so that's at the moment, always, it's been, yeah. I was going to say, that's always like, really hard when you get um uh when you create an open source project and you get these enthusiastic people like wanting yeah. to contribute right like you want to like embrace that and have that but at the same time like they ha probably have like very specific use cases in mind that and you don't want to like put the project uh steer it down that road um and thinking about the bigger picture is it's just always really challenging for any open source project. Yeah, it's an interesting balance because you have these people who are so interested in helping out that you don't necessarily, you feel bad kind of turning them away uh, for any th work that they may have uh, invested potentially a significant amount of time in uh, to be able to say, hey, I'd really like to be able to get that, but yeah, it's not gonna really address the totality of our users uh, in the way that it affects you. So there's definitely an interesting balance there. Yeah, um, one of the one of the core team members is actually uh, he's one of those contributors that just had he has really out of the box ideas. He has very very creative ideas, um, <clears throat> but not not all of them f align perfectly with the uh, with what everybody would would need. So he's he's created a number of these projects um, which have which have in themselves received a lot of adoption within the community, community but um, um, he's one of those really creative, out-of-the-box thinkers. And just because he potentially is thinking differently to, uh, to myself was no reason to, to keep him off the team. Uh, I think um, the, the team that we've created at the moment has an, has an amaz amazing balance of, of person personalities from conservative to, to quite... Um, Quite adventurous, um, hardcore coders and 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 others that are 
are really just looking for stability and creating a, a an arena for coding. Um, we've we've got a we've got an incredible team um, that we've put together there. So, and and I must say, Austin, you you mentioned how this community really took off. Um, it was it it always amazes me when um, we've got the NGXS Slack, and I, I'm I'm hardly ever the first person to answer one of the questions that pops up there. There's there's guys that are just con continually answering questions. There's um there's just constant activity. It's quite it's it's quite hectic to keep keep up with what's going on. But um, um, amongst us in the team and also uh, within the community, there's there's lots of very active, very enthusiastic members that are um, adding their thoughts and ideas and answering questions and um, yeah, it's it's really great. Yeah, I think I'm in the Slack channel. I think I have 500 unread Slack messages. <laughs> what? Uh, so, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, uh, do you find it challenging, like knowing that you've got this library framework that is um, kind of does core essential business logic, right, for applications? And now yeah. a lot of people are using it and businesses are using it. How do you manage like the stress level of thinking about the fact that like these companies are are banking their software on this this library, right? This this framework. Well, I haven't thought about that. And now you've really stressed <laughs> <I> just, me <laughs> out. <laughs> no, no. Um it it is something it is something that has been a serious, uh, a serious challenge. Um I've taken a very much uh, overly conservative approach. Um, really, a lot of people ping me and try and bring me into discussions on issues, um, and I let I let the other core team members handle that um, until they raise it. My main focus is on PRs, just to just to make sure what that what is coming through. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be a gatekeeper for the uh, for the APR for backwards compatibility um, <clears throat> with this release that we did last week. Um, it's version three point four. There were there were a whole lot of new features that we added, and um, just before we released, we realized that some of the some of the exciting new TypeScript things that we had sorry <clears throat> some of the new new exciting TypeScript things that we had used were now no longer kept compatible with uh, TypeScript uh, five sorry TypeScript two point two point five two point six and Angular five and that's what version three was already supporting. So, so we had to go back to the drawing board, um, dumb down some of those those refactorings and and typings that are, that had happened, just to make sure that within version three we were still still supporting the older Angular versions that um, that we started off supporting. Um, we we are planning in in version four to be um, focusing on um, more modern TypeScript, more modern uh, Angular versions, and things like that. Um, but you know that's that has been quite a quite a balance and quite a challenge to get right. I remember when I was the gatekeeper telling you that I'm not going to merge your pull request. <laughs> yeah, uh, curating and taking care of like that API concept, right, and the backwards compatibility. Um, maybe get uh, your insight on that uh, because I think that's compelling, not just for NGXS, but 
everybody who's building their own software applications, right? And you're thinking about the API, whether you're writing an API for your components to be reused or your services or anything, we're always trying to think about like the long-term use of that and how to make sure that that continues forward as we, um, as our code base grows. Have you learned anything like strategy-wise as you've gone through this process of like, okay, here's a, a cool way to handle like approaching that to make that easier for you or us as, as code writers to um, handle those scenarios to, to be prepared for a flexible API or, or something like that. Any lessons learned there? Um, I think I think just minimizing the number of changes, it, it sounds sounds silly, but um, but really realizing that every single little change that comes in is going to be something that you're committing to for for the foreseeable future. Um, there's a couple of mistakes that were that were made early on in version three that that um, um, a lot of the users have come around and said, "Oh, what about this? What about this? What about this?" Um, and it's scheduled to change in version four, but um, but we've we've just got to live with it um, until we get to that point. And um, I, I know with the, with the whole thing of semantic versioning and and uh, the whole thing of major representing breaking changes and minor being features and and um, your revision being more bug fixes and things like that. Um, <clears throat> it's very tempting to to bump the major version. Um, a lot of people seem to seem to think, oh, you, because you're on version three, you um, you really really advanced. You've you've done a lot and you've grown grown things a lot. Um, but upping upping the major version number means that you've you've now you've now broken something and dishonored previous contracts that you had with your with your users. So for me, making a, a major version break, uh, make, making a major version change, it's breaking changes. It's not a. It's not as positive as you would, uh, as as some people make it out to be. Um, although that opportunity to to make those breaking changes and to improve the framework where it's really worth it, that's um, that's something that um, that we're making sure that we do do right. So we we bet, we've batched up a whole lot of changes. We we're providing mechanisms to um, to upgrade to the new behaviors early, um, and then after you've upgraded to version four, which hasn't been released yet, but when you upgrade to version four, you'd still be able to upgrade to version four, but roll back certain behaviors through feature toggles so that you can uh, slowly transition your code base. So has it ever been frustrating as far as feeling trapped and be like to move slower to be safer or are you perfectly happy with like the the rate of motion that that you're having with the framework um i think i think it's um yes yes and no i'm i'm happy i'm happy with the with the rate at which we're moving um although it is a little bit frustrating when there are specific things that you want to achieve um to move things forward in a, in a direction that you feel is where things should be going, um, but there's there's a lot of noise going on with all the with all the other things um, trying to trying to protect that APR. With lots of lots of features and and um, you know all these different use cases that people are coming up with that that kind of distract from the the particular forward direction that um, that you're trying to trying I to think, create. I think the labs idea was ingenious. Did did you create that? Like, did you come up with that idea to be like have this separate safe area for for playtime and 
Um, uh, it kind of, yeah, it kind of came out of necessity. I'd, um, um, Austin, I don't know if you remember. I think I think we were we we turned down a number of interesting ideas and pull requests, and we just said to people, please, could you go and make make your own library, and then we'll we'll um, we'll point we'll point to it in the docs or something like that. And then um, one one of the guys who's the one of the key uh, the the core team members now, um, Max, he he had a couple of a couple of these out the box ideas. And we said, could you could you please go and make some contributions in another area, and then we can we can bring it back in. And then he created NGX Contrib, and then after some discussion with him, we renamed it NGXS Labs, um, and that's pretty much where it came from. So it kind of came from it. the pushing and pulling <laughs> in community. So yeah, yeah, it was really organic. I remember like getting a notification for NGXS Labs or. That that org and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I wonder if that's something that uh, you could kind of write up and describe, and and people could use as a pattern in their own companies, right? Internally, as a code that they develop, like, is there a home for that that gives them that ability to do the same process but within their business workflow, right? Yeah, I, th I think potentially the idea actually came from came from Angular and Angular Labs. Because with elements and things like that, they had this Angular Labs, and I think that's that's kind of where it came from. So I, I guess we could write something about it, but uh, <laughs> take credit. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So we had a question uh, in the chat about um, just kind of fundamental differences, or, or how, like, if somebody understands uh, NGRX, right, and comes here and, and says, "Okay, what's yeah. different?" Like. How do I take my knowledge of NGRX and then kind of learn NGXS? Right. Yeah. So um, I think, um, and Austin, please, please chime in if you have a. It looks like you're itching to say something there, um, but um, I think, I think the big difference is that. Um, to to me, this is this is more modeled on a, on CQRS or or event sourcing than. Um, and, and I guess Redux and NGRX also has that sort of feel, um, but but here you've really you you're given an opportunity to to respond to an action, and within that action handler you can you can do a number of things. You can update your state, you can update it multiple times. You can do some async work. After that comes back, you can update your state again. Um, so so there's a whole there's a whole life cycle to an action that you you can now do. Um, you can also just you can also keep your uh, keep those methods just focused on updating states. So, in essence, they look like each method looks like a, a mini reducer, where it takes in just that action payload, and um, it takes in a what's not, what's a, what's called a state context, where we're able to get the state state set the state and and do things like that. So, um, <clears throat> you can. Kind of, kind of what I was looking for in Redux um, and NGRX with the reducers is a way to break down those um, those kind of almost god class reducers with with these massive switch statements, and then just breaking them down into these small little chunks. Um, <clears throat> I think the transition between NGRX to NGXS is 
it's something that that I haven't done. Um, unfortunately, that that application that um, that I did with NGRX in 2017, I haven't had the opportunity to work on that application again. Um, <clears throat> so I, I actually haven't done that transition. But um, all the guys that I've spoken to, they've virtually done it within a day. So the the there there is an alignment between the paradigms, but um, NGXS offers just a just a little bit more in terms of um, maybe looser rules in terms of what you can do in terms in, in what would have been in your reducer. You can now do a bit of async work that is a bit of a life cycle to an action. Um, it's really looking at this kind of the CQRS and an action fires off some some process of a number of things happening. And every single time you do async work, you don't have to go off and create another action. And this represents a load success or load error. Or um, and you, I find often often you create actions to represent different different aspects of your um, of your process flow in response to asynchronous work um, in, in in GRX and in NGXS. You can kind of all package that together, and you don't have to you don't have to put those put all those actions in if you don't want to. If you do want to, if you if you do want to see all of that stuff flow through your uh, your Redux dev tools, then you can. Um, but you you don't have to, so you can you can go for the flavor that you want. Austin, what yeah. do you? Yeah, I think that was really good uh, comparison. Uh, uh, one thing that really stuck out that I want to emphasize is um, the Redux, and, uh, which is the pattern that NGRX is based on, uh, is very heavy on um, an action uh, updates the state, and then you react to the state um, from that action. Or you, you select out the state and react. <clears throat> and so making that, uh, making that uh, structure uh, makes it really easy for like dev tools and, and um, uh, to see like state updates and things like that. But it can also, um, and this is a thing, like when I was creating this, it also makes it very hard to do like simple things, right? Like I just had something that I just want to like, you know, change the, the color of something now that something happened, right? Like let's say a user, saved and now the little asterisks at the top of uh, of my form can go away right and before you would have to like have multiple states to perform that right like you would have to have save uh save in progress and then save completed and then on complete you could then create a state that represents that the asterisk can go away now <laughs> um and so it's like this really like uh terse um, state uh, where, where everything has to be represented. And with event-oriented architecture, uh, you're, more, you're less about updating state and reading things from the state and more about observing events and reacting to those events. And a way that you could be reacting to those events could be updating state, but it could be doing something else. And I really like event-oriented architecture for uh, for uh, web applications, because if we think about web applications, um, everything is an event. Every piece of interaction is a page load, a mouse click. There are all events that are bubbling like that. 
And event-oriented architecture feels really nice uh, in terms of how that is uh, and how that plays out with you know, what the browser does natively. And, and that's where a lot of that um, kind of came together around the thoughts for it. One of the things that stuck with me on that was that concept of the workflow. Um, not only the thing I mentioned earlier about the, the containment and the, of the mental mind map of the things that all go on, right? And to look at it in one spot, to understand the instructions and the workflow of everything that happens when this action takes place or this event takes place, but also that ability to know when that whole workflow is done so you can do things off of it, right? Um, and uh, and respond to that accordingly, right? Without having to like, I think Austin, like what you're mentioning, think about ways that I've got to stuff these like, is this asterisk on, is this off into my state management? Really, I just want to go, look, I want to run this event, turn it on, and then when process is done, workflow is done, then I know I can just switch that off or whatever. Um, and so having a solution for that, um, and I guess that's, would that be like subscribing at the end of the action workflow? Yeah, it's got various different RxJS operators that you can use to subscribe to the different life cycles of, a, of an action that's dispatched. Yeah, so so actually in, um, um, in what we just released now, the NGXS 3.4, um, so there were a number, number of, um, so if you do want to, if you do want to access the action stream, there is an action stream stream available, um, and you can do effect, almost like an NGRX effect style programming if you do want to, um, which which I, I think a lot of people have done where they've just brought their effects and used that same sort of mechanism to to keep those um, that same sort of mechanism of um, of async work and then dispatch and those sort of things going. Um, <clears throat> But we in 3.4 we actually added a new operator which is um, I actually got to check what it's called. <laughs> um, it's called um, of action completed. So at the moment we've got of action dispatched, of action successful, of action cancelled, of action errored, of action completed. So successful, cancelled, and errored are are the three different completion states. Um, so what we just added is now of action completed so that you can um, you can respond to the completion of a specific action type um, and you can pick up whether it was successful an error or canceled or, or what actually happened because um, previously those were three separate well there are still three separate operators if you're only interested in errors or if you're only inter interested in success um, but yeah they reflect that life cycle of your of your action where it's essentially dispatched it's currently in progress and then it reaches some sort of state of completion which is error cancelled or or success um, along those lines of the of of converting a, an ngrx app um, the one thing i found quite interesting is something i used quite heavily in ngrx was was the um, the infamous switch map merge map concat map all of those different operators in my effects and using NGXS, I, I haven't found that I've I've needed to I've needed to go there very seldom, um, maybe just once or twice. But it's really just an edge case. Um, cancellation is is just a little flag that you you set on your on your action decorator just to say cancelable is true, 
And if another one of those actions comes through, it just cancels the previous one. Um, <clears throat> so in that way, it's it's simplified a, a lot of the things that you have to think about when you're thinking observables, RxJS, that sort of stuff um, for your your stream of actions. Um, yeah. I have some uh, questions. Well, maybe it's just one, um, but it's not so so much surrounding the idea of how to use NGRX or excuse me, NGXS or NGRX actually any state management thing, but it's more so what's the barrier to entry? And I don't mean complexity or anything else, but what's that mental state where you say, hey, you know what? I'm at the point that I should start to use uh, some sort of central state management system instead of um, essentially like a subject with uh, in a service, uh, something basic. And then to basically say, all right, hey, I should be stepping up uh, because I, the thing that I found uh, in talking with people is overuse of state management um, libraries. Yeah. Uh, because it, it I is feel like he's baiting of... me. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I, it, it's a serious conversation because I feel that people see the idea of, all right, well, so-and-so is using this or other people are using this, so I should be using it too, when it may not necessarily fit their use case. Yeah, so I think, I think along those lines, I don't think it's a question of state management or not because you are doing state management anyway. Um, no matter what you choose, either you're doing it, either you're doing a custom, or you, you're doing in state management using RxJS or NgRx or NgXS or or Akita or one of those different ones. Um, so I think I think the question is is when when do you when do you aim for a library to help you out? Um, is that is that more along the lines of what you're looking for? Um, to an extent, but I, I feel that there's a lot of applications that don't necessarily need the idea of shared state. Um, that yeah. no, you need different parts of your component tree uh, to be able to store that. And Austin says, they don't. Not He's like, I need to say <laughs> something about this. But I feel so like I just published a blog post recently that says uh, the future of state management is less state management. Um, and it's kind of like I like I like the title. I like the way that the title was taking my brain. It's kind of clickbaity of a clickbaitish of a title, but uh, basically my summary is that uh, you know we all got excited about uh, Redux when it came out um, because it could hot reload, and then um, in React that. That's like one of the big reasons why it took off is global um, uh, 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 global state management, right? And and React had uh, a flux architecture, and Redux came along, and they introduced this like hot reload thing where you didn't have to reload your app to be able to like change things, and it like really came up, you know, it really popped off, and then. They introduced those dev tools and those dev tools like i mean they're super slick right like no one can deny that it is really sexy to like click around and see that and be able to rewind it and things like that and so without thinking people just jumped and started using these things because of those particular reasons it wasn't so much of like a, just a jump and just to start using but it was more of a you know yelling from the rooftops if you're not also jumping, you're wrong. Like it was, it was a, it was a movement, man. It happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And so like people were like just doing it because like, oh, well, other people are doing it and look at all these cool tools and right. Like we need state management now. Right. Uh, but, you know, look, look at the past, right? Like we had built apps, large apps for, you know, tens, 10 plus years without having to need that type of stuff. And some people will debate me on this and blah, blah, blah. Um, but let me jump to the point of where I'm going with this is a lot of us just pick this up because of popularity uh, or we saw this like fancy widget and didn't really understand the pattern or what it does for us. Um, and that's why you hear all these people talking about um, like boiler, boiler plate um, and like, why has it got all this stuff? And, you know, if I would pose the question to you is like, if you're really complaining about that, then you probably shouldn't be using the tool because, you know, it, in, when you're using it to its truest form, mm -hmm. It actually reduces code. Yeah. So just let that sink in for a second. If you've got a lot of boilerplate and you're like complaining about it, then you probably don't need to be using a Redux pattern. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. Is that yeah. It, it just because there's a tool out there that a lot of people are using does not necessarily mean you need to use it. Not to put down any of the libraries that are out there, especially the one we're talking about today, but just be critical of any tool that you're using. Uh, tools are designed to solve particular problems, and you may not have that particular problem within your application. One of the key reasons that I built NGXS was I had this application that had like six different panels and they all would be interacting with each other and live updating. And that made like using event oriented architecture for that with some uh, like Redux pattern uh, just made really great sense. Like that would be a nightmare to try to wire together um, using just like top down approaches. And so, I mean, I, I'd really say, you know, if you're if you're questioning that, then like it, it, it's probably worth evaluating if you should be using it. And you know what? You can also use these patterns in only certain spots of your app. You don't have to write your entire app with this. So if there's like a particular page or something in your app that like is uh, very interesting and has lots of interactions. Let's just write that one. Complicated. If there's a hella complicated page. <laughs> yeah, and you can just use it in that one spot. You don't have to use it for your entire app. And so that that's that's my reply to that. You baited me, I'm sure, but yeah, can I, I can I, I can I take on that bait um, just a little as well? <laughs> I yeah I, I I wanted to clarify though I'm I'm not baiting by any stretch I'm just trying to clarify so that people can understand the big picture of just because there's a great tool that provides great functionality does not mean that you necessarily need to use it. Yeah, so just along those lines, um, I think I think everything that's that's been said is absolutely is absolutely bang on. You don't want to just be adding a library just because it's um, just because everybody else is doing it and and it's the cool thing to do or, or whatever. But um, the one thing that I really appreciate about about um, state management, but especially with NGXS, is that 
it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a lot more effort to put it in um you can get you can get going very very quickly and the one thing that i appreciated about it is that um it kind of kind of gives gives a place for some of your application logic to live um i i've i've walked quite a road as a dev i started out in winforms and um any dev that's ever done that is is cringing right now um but the number of applications that I saw where there were SQL statements behind button clicks and, and things like that. And then we get into this new world of, of JavaScript and SPAs and, and uh, well, AngularJS and now Angular and React and Vue and, and um, all the others. But, um, but then you see developers starting to do the same sort of things where in their components, they just, they just pile in all this, all this logic. They pile in all these... Um, all this kind of coordination code and all of the stuff that's going on. And I, I kind of feel like it, it does give a place for some of that code to live. So um, I, I'm, I'm all for the, for the idea of you, you probably don't need it. Um, if you're thinking about it, um, you, you'll know when you need it, um, especially if you've got shared state across your applications, you're trying to synchronize a number of different things. It's, it's definitely something that you should start looking at. Um, but the one thing that I like about it is if you didn't have that situation and you were, were to recklessly just pick a library just because, um, I'd say just for, the, just for the fact that it gives some place for uh, some of your code to live, um, I really appreciate that, that, sort, of, that sort of idea. Um, in the in the application that we developed in 2017, um, <clears throat> it was a it was a very very large large website. It's um, I think it's the 25th most used website in South Africa. Um, it's got a lot of things going on, very very deeply nested state, and it, it was definitely a use case for state management. But the the one thing that it really brought to the table was that we we created a a a desktop website front end and did all of that with uh, with the components but moved most of the state management and most of the application logic into the state management and into kind of these backend services and the the components were just thin and very simple and not much going on in them and then they used the exact same code um, it was it was virtually a, a 90% code reuse in terms of creating a mobile site it was it was it was not a responsive site. It was a totally different site served up in a different way for mobile. And it was just a, a different set of components assembling the, the, the state and showing the state in different ways. So in that way, we were able to service kind of two, two very different paradigms off of the same backend, and I'd call it an architecture. Um, and it just, it just so happened that state management helped with that. And I think... I think that is that is maybe one itch that it does scratch is it kind of gives a place for for things to live. Um, I like to see my components with absolutely minimal code in them. So that for me is is maybe one of the other selling points that wasn't mentioned. Yeah, it's almost like a uh, back end logic in your front end to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Where I see it. Uh, Almost like an ORM, but maybe we shouldn't. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to, but yeah, yeah, right. right. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, 
I think uh, one of the things I, I like about this discussion that came out is the um, when you do decide that you do need this type of state management solution, um, embrace the solution that you decide to go with, right? And realize that like you're taking it yeah. on to solve this these challenges that you're facing and to help your application be better and and embrace that, you know, and, and don't look at it as like, oh, this is great, but it's got this boilerplate, but it's got this stuff. Like realize that like, no, but it's adding all this greatness to it. And then take that and if you go, okay, this is great, but it doesn't completely do what I need to do, then go maybe write your own like Austin did, right? <laughs> <laughs> or add on to labs. <laughs> or, add, or do labs, right? Or yeah. figure out ways you could do that, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, right, so well, I think, I think, um, Sorry, just one one thing I wanted to mention um, before we wrap up is in version three point four. There's there's the one feature that we added called state operators. Um, so if you are using NGXS out there, I would, I'd definitely recommend having a look at state operators um, because when you when you look at these larger state classes that people are building, there's once again kind of a whole lot of boilerplate that goes on to do with um, with managing immutability and and spread operators and all of those sort of things that go on um, when you when you're making uh, sort of the copy on write scenarios that that we we've got to do with the Redux pattern. Um, so state operators is something that can really help out with reducing the amount of code that you write there. And in essence, it's almost like a a reverse curried reducer. Uh, it's probably the Best way I could describe it, um, but essentially, um, it's it's a it's a function that you provide that it takes in the previous state and returns the new state, and it it accesses what it needs to modify the state with uh, through its closure. So you'd create some sort of uh, creator mechanism for that. Um, so it's it's uh, there's not enough time to really go in depth about that, but. Um, um, we did release a, an article on Medium on the NGXS organization uh, about state operators. Um, I think it also provides an opportunity for um, for a sort for a for a pattern to be to be used that is translatable between the different uh, the different libraries and different paradigms. Um, so you write more code that's focused on on doing those updates of your state as opposed to uh, better down into a library. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, before we get to our picks and, and wrap up the episode, uh, where can people find out all this information about NGXS? Uh, so I think the best place to go would be ngxs.io. Um, in the episode last year, it was kind of well, open up Google, Google and type in GitHub and type in NGXS, and, and, and you're going to find it after some stockbroking website or something like that. But um, now there's a place to live. Um, it's ngxs.io. And um, yeah, so that would be the best place to go. Awesome. That's funny you bring up the, the stock stuff. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stock. Yeah. And, cool. he, and people can find you, Mark, where online? Um, my, my Twitter handle is Mark Whitfeld. It's pretty much my name. What's your, what's your phone number in case people have questions? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Blood type as well. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's get into some picks. Um, we'll go down the list of our panelists first and then uh, 
So Alyssa, you have some pick? I don't. I don't have a pick, but I hear Austin has like 10. So <laughs> he'll make All up right. for me. <laughs> then Austin, what do you got? I do. I haven't had picks the past couple of times. And you know, when I don't have picks for a while, I always have like 100 at once. Um, so uh, what? Storybook 5.0 dropped. Storybook, if you do not know about this, is the coolest thing that you can find right now. <laughs> Storybook is a app that, uh, it's a framework that allows you to create like uh, component demos. And if you're building out, you know, reusable components and things like that, you can use Storybook to create these in isolation. They dropped 5.0 and it's got a lot of awesome changes in it in terms of aesthetics and plugins and things like that. Also, I, this is on a different topic, not uh, Angular related, but <laughs> Justin's shaking his head. Um, I have been working on a React data visualization framework called Reaviz, uh, and that came out today. I'm super excited about it. Um, and then one other thing, uh, I have been working um, with <laughs> Rocky. I have been working on uh, like uh, finding errors in my app. So um, like how users are using my app, my apps that um, I deploy at work. And I found this really cool tool called Full Story that allows you to like replay sessions and you can like inspect the DOM as they're the sessions are replaying. It's a little bit, it's a little big brother, but um, it's super cool. Um, so that's how my three it, picks. How is it big brother? Oh, just go watch the demo. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mike, do you have any picks? I have a non-tech pick. Uh, it's actually a Netflix show, and I, don't, I couldn't tell you when it actually came out, but I've been watching it recently. It's called Travelers. Um, with uh, Eric McCormick, who's famous from playing Will and Will and Grace. Uh, but it's interesting, uh, sci-fi, and I've been enjoying it about halfway through the second season. Awesome. All right, I'm going to pick some media then. Uh, I'm going to pick Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because that's rapidly getting close to being maybe my favorite movie ever. Uh, it's It's pretty amazing. Uh, so that's my pick. It's out on digital now. I think it might still be in theaters too. You got to check it out. Uh, that's my pick. Mark, do you have any picks for us? Um, yeah, I think. Um, well, maybe I, maybe I mentioned it now to to have a look at state operators. If you are using NGXS, um, there's also some some exciting things coming down the line in terms of potentially our own dev tool and things like that. Um, with all the with all the the boilerplate that we're handling for you, there's a whole lot extra that we know about your application. Uh, so we can potentially surface that in the dev tool. Um, but that's a, that's a much longer longer vision going on there. Um, and then I think for a, as, a, as a general pick, um, I think it's easy to focus on, on, uh, on, on texts and libraries and, and even, even languages um, as you pursuing things within your dev career. And, and for for myself, I think if you 
to fo uh, my, my pick is to focus on the principles and methodologies that can translate across these things. Um, um, yeah, we, we do we do quite a bit of quite a bit of training. We we train people in terms of things like test driven development, in terms of clean code, um, uh, dev economics, how to how to really quantify um, the value of the work that you're doing within a dev team. And I think if as a developer we focus on those sort of things, I think um, I think the the world of de development will be a better place. Um, we can we can talk about libraries, we can talk about tech, we can talk about all these things, but uh, yeah. So my, my pick is uh, focus on principles and methodologies. <laughs> That's a great thing. I think we need to have an episode on like clean coding and Angular. We should do something like that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mark. Thanks a ton for coming on, sharing your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. All right, everyone. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.